This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to Cast Club Radio. I'm your host, Lydia Cruz. I'm Justin Stiefel. And I'm Maura Dooley. And we are here in the midst of the Winter Olympics. They are on. In full swing. <laughs> yes. <they laughs> Have you guys on. been watching? Have you been uh, drawn in by any specific sport? I have been watching. I've been watching, uh, fascinated with the new snowboarding competition they have with all the freestyle stuff. This is the first year they've had it, and uh, it's fascinating to watch that. I like watching that stuff, too. I especially like the half pipe when it comes to snowboarding. Yeah, yeah. The the ladies' uh, half pipe, it's pretty pretty amazing to watch the amount of air that they get. And then the other one, which is the downhill freestyle snowboarding event. The snow slope? or the snow, uh, uh, Yeah, the, uh, the acrobatic ability they have to have in the air. I mean, doing three and four and five twists and flips is just it's amazing to watch. Kind of insane. And a 17-year-old kid bringing home the gold for <laughs> for USA. I'm, that makes me feel a little bit under-accomplished. I'm going to Well, and she, agree. she had qualified technically four years ago, but she was only uh, 13. So she was too young to make the cut officially oh, to represent it. Oh, I meant the guy who won. But are you talking about Chloe Kim too? Yes. Yeah. She technically qualified last time around. Yeah. But was too young. She's impressive. Oh, Thirteen years old. Crazy. Yeah, I feel yeah. like a slacker. <laughs> Get back Yeah, yeah. If you guys were going to be in the Olympics yourself, if you could see yourself competing in a sport, what would it be? Got any uh, hidden mm-hmm. talents that you haven't shared with the class yet? For me, I like any sport that you technically could do while holding a beer or a drink in your hand. And so for me, that would be curling. <laughs> yeah. That's the one that everybody always thinks like I could do that, right? Right. But right. I feel like it's got to be harder than we imagine. Oh, it it <laughs> looks ridiculously uh, hard when you think about the precision you have to have and the weight of those uh, the stones. But the idea that you could just be sitting there, yeah, open another beer, you know, while you're doing this and possibly win a medal. There's something very American about that. <laughs> <laughs> there, we've talked, we've joked on the morning show at work on Brock and Salk over at 710 that we were going to do a, a team. There's five of us on the morning show. And we were going to all go and do curling together. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about which positions we'd fill well. And Brock is convinced that he'd be great with the the broom the brushing he's like i could just get great leverage i see myself i've got i've got the body for it uh howdy is just convinced that he should just be the guy that yells things at people because he's so good at telling people what to do so i could see that i could see curling for me and i i still snowboard so i'd like to believe that i'm that athletic but i'm absolutely not that's the one I'm most fascinated by, but I tried snowboarding and I'm awful at it. I don't think it's really meant for tall people. I think a lower center of gravity is better for that. But I don't know. I think I'd like to try cross-country skiing. It's I did fun. Cross-country running. Yeah. So. Cross-country skiing is a lot of fun. And luckily, we live in the Pacific Northwest. It's accessible. So put that on your list. My son wants <laughs> to do the biathlon because he gets That's to so shoot, crazy. shoot the gun. That right. always trips me out, just the way that they like flip it on their backs and yeah. just keep going. And I told Impressive. him. It's a biathlon, meaning two things. You have to do the cross-country skiing part of it, too. You can't just go shoot the gun. 
right? Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. I won't oh, do that darn one. It. Yeah, that rules it out. <laughs> Too much work. So other than the Olympics, there's uh, still a lot of things going on in the industry, beer, wine, and spirits. What's uh, what's in the news? Well, in the news this week, uh, our friends down in Florida, two of the breweries down there, uh, one of them is Hidden Spring Ale Works and the other is Arcane Ale Works. They have joined forces with our friends at Krispy Kreme to make donut-inspired beers. Why not? Uh, yeah, why not is right. So this comes from the Tampa Bay Times, and uh, they boast that the beers have a roasty, chocolatey flavor, and they come in at a, uh, quote, super boozy 12.5% ABV. Wow. That is, that's a pretty high alcohol beer. Yeah. So when you think about here in the Northwest, some of our really potent IPAs and double IPAs ring in at 8 or 9%, coming in at 12.5%, that's almost like a wine. And, and it tastes uh, like donuts. That seems like one that could sneak up on you. It would sneak up on you, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the folks at Arcane have a history of doing this. They brewed a beer making peeps or using peeps as one of the flavors, Oof. okay? The little, you know, spongy marshmallow birds. Of course. Easter's right around the corner. And Seven uh, Eleven Donuts and uh, Hidden Springs. Aleworks in the past, they have made some signature beers using chocolate and peanut butter, as well as a Gatorade-infused <laughs> Berliner Weiss. That's just wrong. If That's wrong. Was, I wonder no. if there's any less of a hangover with the Gatorade-infused. Because like you're getting the electrolytes right back? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> um, some of the artificial stuff in there, I'm not sure how right? the uh, What flavor do you go with? Lemon lime? I've... Fire ice or whatever? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so obviously they're not afraid to experiment, though. No, you have to be able to experiment in this industry. But, you know, I just can't imagine rolling up to a Krispy Kreme and saying, hey, give me a dozen donuts and a six pack of chocolate stout to go. Uh, you know, donuts are like a morning thing and beer's an evening thing, yeah. afternoon yeah. thing. But um, 12.5% ABV, I give them credit for, for hitting that one. I definitely give them credit for this name, too. Uh, donut, quote me on this Imperial Donut Stout. I yeah. was just going to say that. I like that name. <laughs> that's, a, that's a mouthful. Yeah. Try to say that three times after having three of them. Three nope. pints at 12.5% ABV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fans of Portlandia are going to be excited about this next story, right? Uh, they are, yeah. The folks at Lot 18 announced a new Portlandia wine collection inspired by some of the show's most well-known episodes. And they've got four varietals that they are launching. Uh, one of them is called, uh, this is an art project, and it's a rosé. Uh, they've got another one called Brunch Village which is a Willamette Valley Pinot Gris. Uh, they've got one uh, that is uh, called a Women and Women First, which is a Willamette Valley Pinot Noir. And then uh, the oldest vintage they have is a 2000, 2014 Syrah from the Rogue Valley called Weirdo. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, this is the final season of the television show called Portlandia. And uh, what I noticed was interesting most about this is that, uh, you know, the show is based in Portland, Oregon, right? Keep mm -hmm. Portland weird. Uh, but they chose to go with a winemaker out of uh, New York to make these wines. But they're using uh, Washington, uh, uh, Willamette Valley grown grapes. Perfect. Uh, so it's an interesting kind of marriage of East Coast, West Coast, avant-garde, if you will. Appreciation for wine, appreciation for great television. I love it. Yeah. It's a good way to celebrate the final season. So yeah. Get one of these. And uh, if you look at the labels, they posted labels online uh, in the article, and the labels uh, are, are kind of iconic to <laughs> those specific episodes that were the best part of the TV show. Later in the hour, we talk to Alexandra Hadeen, creator of Weeknight Society, a website and now an app that helps you eat healthier and simplify your meal planning. But first... The world's top 10 beer destinations for 2018. Number one is not one you'd see coming. That's next on Cast Club Radio.
Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. In just a little bit, we sit down with Alexandra Hadeen, the creator of Weeknight Society, the website, and the app that helps you eat healthier and simplify your meal planning. But first, we've got to discuss the world's top 10 beer destinations for 2018. Some surprising city locations on here. There are. This comes from our friends at vinepair.com. And not sure what the classifications were they used to make the selection, but I imagine it required some field trip visits on oh, their part. Rough life, right? man. Right. <laughs> so number 10 on the list of top beer destination cities in the world. Number 10 is Boise, Idaho. Nearby. You ever been to backyard. Boise? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly as a travel through destination on road trips and such. But. Me too, but I was really surprised by how beautiful it was to drive through. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect. Yeah, Boise is a very cool town. And what's most surprising in the article here is it talks about Garden City based brewing is opening up a new location that'll have a hundred thousand barrel capacity, which is huge. There there are not any hundred thousand barrel uh, breweries in Washington. There may be 100,000 barrel brewery in Washington state right now. So for that to be open in Boise, it's a big, that's a big expansion and explosion happening down there in Idaho. Right in our backyard, man. Yep. Uh, number nine on the list, a little bit of a surprise, Louisville, Kentucky. Right. That's not something you'd necessarily associate with beer. Yeah. You'd think what? Bourbon. You'd think bourbon. Yeah. yeah. When we think <laughs> Kentucky. I'd think that do they make anything else? Uh, yeah. 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 So uh, 10 years ago, Louisville had no beer tourism to speak of. Today, there are 40 craft breweries in the state and 15 are in Louisville alone. And the Louisville has a university with a long and until recently storied tradition in uh, basketball. They're going through some challenges. And so they may feel the need to go sit and uh, down an adult beverage and a pint of locally made uh, craft beer. I like that they've got a neighborhood now called New Lou, too. They're kind of picking up from the, uh, I don't know, Soto in Seattle mm-hmm. slash they have that in uh, New York City as well. But that's their uh, short for New Louisville. New Louisville. New Lou. Yeah. And they say that the neighborhood has uh, art galleries, antique shops, favorite things, uh, lots of food and drink. Number eight on the list. Also kind of a surprise when you think about the history in the U.S. Number eight was? St. Louis, Missouri. St. Louis, Missouri. City well, near and dear to my heart. What yeah. do we think of when we think of St. Louis, Missouri? Well, Besides the arch. Besides the Cardinals and the Blues, which I'm a diehard fan <laughs> for, yeah, you think one type of beverage. You think Anheuser-Busch. That's it. Big, big beer. Uh, but the article here talks about the burgeoning and exploding uh, craft beer scene. And uh, they talk about one in particular, Shafley Brewery, which has been growing tremendously over many, many years. And the number of tap rooms and uh, snack bars that are happening all around town. And uh, they're giving Anheuser-Busch a run for the money. Yeah. Number seven. Never been yet, but it's on the to-do list to go. Bucket list. Rio de Janeiro. This one really struck me. Yeah. Because of this, the fact that brewing's not yet legal in the city of Rio itself, uh, so many modern brewers are considered gypsies or contract brewers. That's right. Brazilian beer drinkers are more prone to throw back light lagers at the Boteco than chase down the latest IPA. Just being able to call yourself a gypsy. Yeah, that's right. Because you're in brewing. <laughs> that's right. Love it. That's right. Uh, number six on the list. Uh, if we were at the Olympics right now, we would be able to enjoy some locally made craft beer coming out of Seoul, South Korea. And uh, it says in particular, women are driving the craft beer culture in Seoul uh, and now home to its own craft beer alley. That's in- Seoul is an interesting place. It's also one of the most technologically advanced cities in the world. So to see that they also have women are a huge part yeah. of this advance advancement is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, number five, Beijing, China. 
Uh, despite the uh, creator for the world's top-selling beers, it's seldom acknowledged that the community for beer and beer travel growing tremendously. Now, China has 300 million people in the population that are middle class. 300 million, that's more than, almost more than our entire population. The thing about China when you go there and you have dinner is they bring you literally cases of beer to sit next to you on the floor and the beer is all very low alcohol, 2% beer, because you don't want to drink the water uh, because of sanitary issues. Mm -hmm. So you're sitting back at these dinners and you're bringing up bottle after bottle of beer and they're like full <laughs> liter size, almost like a 40, okay? Wow. And you're just opening up the beer and you're just downing these beers because it's really like clean water. Mm -hmm. A line for the bathroom is long. But that's not craft beer. That's mass oh. produced mass produced beer. So now you got to sit down and have another high alcohol, uh, six, seven, eight percent uh, IPA uh, along with the uh, roasted duck. Number four, also kind of surprising, Madison, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is home to some of the iconic beer brands from the 40s, 50s, 60s. And uh, Madison also is home to what? The Badgers. Major university. Oh, okay. Huge, yeah. <laughs> huge university. Russell Wilson went there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, current New York, New York Yankee. Um, <laughs> uh, so to uh, mix that college environment with the craft brewery scene overlaid with the historic kind of big beer production scene, mm -hmm. I bet you Madison's a fun place to visit. Yeah, and you're kind of taking on the, I don't know, the big brother in Milwaukee. Yeah. The, the place that has their sporting team oh, named yeah. after the Brewers. So right. it, it is cool that they're kind of the younger, hipper uh, sibling that's, that's emerging. Right. That's right. Number three on the list, Chicago, Illinois. You know, when you think of beer and craft beer, Chicago doesn't pop up in the forefront of my mind. But I could see with the millennials that are moving there in the downtown core area and the revitalization of the meatpacking district in particular, I can see why it's probably exploding right now. Absolutely. Plus, they've got such a rich art scene there yeah. that I just could see the whole idea of craft beer, it's wine and beer taking off. Yeah. And the river, you know, that runs through the middle of uh, Chicago, they turn it green on St. Patrick's Day. That's they crazy. fill it full of dye. It's, it's very cool to see. Uh, number two on the list of uh, destination craft beer scenes is now New York, New York. Uh, really interesting. Really interesting. They've got a lot of cool uh, in the different boroughs and, and the cities there. Like Brooklyn Brewery is doing some amazing things. We've uh, had conversations with those folks in the past. And in Queens and uh, in places where they're the cool places to move and live now, especially if you aren't making millions of dollars in a, to live in a high-rise, you know, mm -hmm. live in one of the, one of the outline areas. Yeah, I read people in want Man their local beer. In Manhattan, it's like one in twenty-five or one in twenty. You have to be a millionaire. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what's insane. happening. So, and New York is almost like several different cities because each of these boroughs has such a distinct personality. That's right. So why wouldn't the beer production reflect that? That's right. That's right. Number one on the list for destination. You are not going to guess this one. <clears throat> I would not have guessed no it in a million way. years. No way. Richmond, Virginia, number one destination. What? Richmond, Virginia. Uh, first off, I used to live in Virginia. It's very hot in the summer. Very humid. So if you're going to want to go do this, I would recommend not doing it in late July or August. Take okay, good advice. Okay, don't Insider do that. Insider track. Yeah. But it, the article talks about they went from one craft brewery 10 years ago to now having 22 in one town. And there's just this evolution of thought and alcohol in the, some of those part of the Bible Belt states, North Carolina and Virginia being part of that, where uh, there was so much control. They tried to keep it uh, clamped down for so long, but there's only so long you can contain that energy. And now uh, folks are finding, like we on the West Coast have experienced for 20 years, 
uh, on the East Coast, they're starting to push forward and lots of craft breweries opening and uh, also craft distilleries. So Richmond, Virginia should be on your destination list. There's some very beautiful old hotels too from oh, yeah. pre-Civil War era. So they very have a cool beer stuff. trail as well. So you can you can get out and explore the breweries that yeah. way. Yeah, there's some there's cool uh, rivers that run through downtown. Uh, avoid history. Avoid I-95 okay, uh, on Fridays. Just avoid it. This is like great insider travel information, <laughs> yeah, Justin. Bad, bad, bad traffic. Bad scene. Yeah. Well, coming up later in the show, we chat with Distiller Dane. He's got a great top five for us. But first, the creator of Weeknight Society website and app, Alexandra Hedin. She sits down with us in studio to talk about her incredible app. It's going to simplify your life and help you eat better. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Casco Radio. Right now, we're sitting down with Ali Hadeen, lifestyle and entertaining expert, something we should all aspire to, <laughs> plus the creator of Weeknight Society, an incredible blog, website, and app. Yes, all of it. All of it. Everything. <laughs> Multiple things. <laughs> How did this venture get started? Necessity is the mother of invention. We heard that so many times. And reading the story behind it, it kind of has a little bit of that going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. So I have had a blog for years now. And as my kids got older, running a blog felt very overwhelming. So I sort of tapered out, but was looking for something else to do because I love doing and I love helping people and being involved. And at my son's baseball game, it ended at 730 at night. And one of the moms next to me was like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? I think we're going to be at Subway again this week. I've got to have a better solution. And I was like oh my goodness, I can help. I have all these recipes that are super quick and use real ingredients. I can completely help you. So I just started sending recipes out to my friends and they loved them. And it became kind of a big group of people. So turning it into an app just made sense. So how does the app work specifically? It's clearly got to focus on using healthy ingredients in Seattle. We love that. Pacific love Northwest, love it. And then also the speed factor of being able to do it in a quick, fashion. So how does the app itself work? So the app is uh, five recipes that are refreshed every Saturday at 6 a.m. So every week you can see five new recipes. Um, you can plan your week around grocery shopping for them. You can add them to a shopping cart so you can do one big shop over the weekend or you can parse it out and do one recipe a day if that's what you choose. And every recipe is designed to be cooked in 20 to 30 minutes so that you can actually do it because let's be honest, if you think it's going to take you an hour, you're not even going to start because it's going to seem overwhelming. So they're all quick. And then the goal was to use as many fresh, healthy ingredients as possible because we have an obesity epidemic. And what can we do to help? We can feed our children and our family healthy vegetables and get them starting to eat that now so that as they become adults, that's their habit. When you started this, it was kind of to help your friends and help other people. But is there a way that you think that it, this helped you in terms of how you cook for your family or how you entertain? Well, what has been interesting is when I started the app, my husband and I were having just some minor health issues, but we went to our naturopath and she recommended taking out dairy and taking out wheat and taking out all these things that are pretty common for people. Mm -hmm. So with doing the app at the same time, a lot of things that we would have had it as a family liked baked ziti, which is delicious and full of cheese, um, <laughs> had to become something different. And so there are a lot of recipes on the app that are totally customizable to remove the cheese and have no dairy or um, lettuce wraps instead of tortillas so that there isn't the wheat option involved. 
Uh, I've got a lot of allergies in my family. I know a lot of people are very similar and have to work around a lot of things. What's something you've made recently that people can find on the app, find on the blog that, I don't know, whether it's seasonal or something that you've really uh, made that you're proud of? I feel like I'm very proud of all of them. Yeah, but. as you should be, of course. Uh, it's well, hard. It's kind of like picking between children, I know, but you got to pick a favorite. I love sometimes. them all. <laughs> yeah. Well, so right now we just had Valentine's Day. And one of my favorite things to do is steak in the oven because it's Ooh. something that I think we only think of doing steak in the summertime when we can go outside and yeah. grill. But most restaurants do steak in the oven as well. So you do a quick sear in a cast iron skillet and then put it in the broiler to finish cooking. And it ends up with this lovely crispy outside and a perfectly juicy inside. And it's just a really lovely dish. When you are creating these recipes, how comfortable are you experimenting? Oh, my goodness. So comfortable. Really? <laughs> so I'm kind of obsessed right now with donuts. And As my, you should be. Yeah. my husband bought me a deep fryer because I'm kind of obsessed Ooh. with making donuts. And um, last night I made a Korean donut oh, yum. with gochujang and scallions on the inside and then a kimchi glaze. Oh, my so, gosh. So, yeah, I'm totally willing to go wherever. What is the, because a lot of it, I'm always just scared when it comes to cooking. I'm scared to fail. Well, I'm scared of most things in life of yeah. failure. Uh, but for people who might be like myself, a little trepidation about trying new things or experimenting, how can this app help them sort of get out of their comfort zone, but still, you know, st keep things simple? So most of the recipes on the app are things that you would feel pretty comfortable cooking. And they're not crazy and wild and they're not kimchi donuts. But <laughs> there are also each recipe has step-by-step -step instructions with photography. So as you're cooking along, you're cooking along with me and you're seeing each step and what it's supposed to look like. Because I think that's the thing that's the most intimidating is you're halfway through the recipe and you're like, is this what it's supposed to look like right now? Are mm -hmm. you kidding me? So to have the pictures, I think really helps guide people. Is there a happy accident that you can describe whether it's that's a lot of my favorite like cooking slash baking things are things that I didn't mean to make. Can you think of any things that may have uh, landed that way for you? There are quite a few things where I thought it was going to go one way yeah. and it totally steered into a different direction. Uh, last night's dinner was pot sticker sliders, which is on Yum. the app. And it's basically the filling from a pot sticker. And then it's between King's Hawaiian rolls, which my kids could eat King's Hawaiian rolls morning, noon, and night. So, so to add that you. pot sticker meat <laughs> between them, yeah. it makes a really easy family-friendly dinner. And then my husband and I had it over brown rice because we're skipping out on the buns. I loved that part of your website and that the family meal aspect is so important to you. And because I feel that same way, eating is such a social thing that you can come together at the dinner table, no matter what's going on in your day. Does this app allow people to sort of create a community or maybe? I got you. Yeah. The, the great thing about a family dinner is that a family dinner does not have to be biological children that you've brought into the world. A family is what you want it to be. A family is who you've decided to have around you and who you want to share those intimate moments of your sort of minutia of the life. But what's important to you? What happened today? Who are you going to sit down and have those conversations with? And those people become your family. And so being able to cook them a quick dinner and sit down and have that conversation is what builds family and builds community. Do your kids like to cook or get involved? Yes. Like way too much. <laughs> if you're trying to make a 20-minute dinner and have it actually be done in 20 minutes, having a six-year-old stirring the pot is not that helpful. 
But uh, <laughs> yes, I do incorporate them as much as possible because I think the more that they can learn to cook and appreciate cooking, the more that they're going to actually do it as they grow up. And it adds that whole family element that you're talking about. How totally. many of us have stories of a, a relative or a family member that we cooked with and how that brought us a positive relationship with food or uh, drinks or whatever. So that's definitely Absolutely. me and my mom, <laughs> the small appreciation. Or I'm a terrible cook. She's an amazing cook. Oh, I bet you could get there. No. Yeah, right. I yes. just need more practice. And these are the kinds of recipes that could help me do it. So for this time of year, you brought us some delicious cookies today. I can already tell that they're delicious. (laughs) My waistline maybe doesn't thank you, but I thank you. What is something that people can be making this time of year, whether it's their delayed Valentine's Day celebrating or essentially what is in that box that I'm going to love? What is in that box is sugar cookies, yummy, which are have kind of become my signature. I make them all the time because they're easy and they're fun and you can customize them. So whether it's for a post Valentine celebration or a pre St. Patrick's Day. There you go. <laughs> uh, there's always a reason to make a sugar cookie. Now, is there also a cocktail element to your website, or do you have I heard this correctly? Yes, yeah. you have. Yeah. So the original blog that I started a million years ago, when I was a stay-at-home mom and really needed an outlet, mm-hmm. had a cocktail every Friday because. What stay-at-home mom doesn't look forward to a cocktail every Friday at like 4.59? I'm (laughs) counting down the seconds. Uh, And as I transitioned into weeknight society and sort of revamped alexandrahedin.com, the cocktail element just floated to the top. It was something that I loved. It was something that my audience loved. And it just was important to include because I think part of sitting down and having a nice dinner, especially if you're celebrating something or Friday night or you're just enjoying yourself, having a cocktail with that is really important. What's one of your favorites that you came up with? Okay, you're asking me to pick favorite children again. I am just putting you on the spot. But there's a lot of cocktail drinkers out there who listen and and they're always looking for new ideas. So the one that I just made that I'm really excited about is a pureed watermelon, vodka, and then uh, watermelon dry sparkling. So dry soda makes a watermelon flavor that's not too sweet. And so when you top it off with that, you just get like the little bubbles and it's really delicious. Sounds good. Do you have a name? Does it have an official name? Well, I called it the Watermelon Fizz, Ooh. which is maybe not my favorite name. But yeah. as long as you say it with attitude, yeah. it comes off okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. We are big fans of cocktails, beer, wine, and spirits here at Cast Club Radio. So we have fun asking everyone if you were throwing a cocktail party and you invited us as guests, what are we drinking? So 100% depends on the time of year. (laughs) So if you came over right now, we would probably be drinking that watermelon cocktail that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. But if you came in a couple of days, we would switch over to something March, sort of St. Patrick's related and it'd be definitely Irish. Yeah. Are you a big whiskey drinker or? I do enjoy some good whiskey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just straight or cocktail wise or? I really prefer my alcohol unadulterated. Just, you know, throw it on (laughs) some rocks and hand it over. But yeah, you can mix it up. Let's have fun with it. Why not? Yeah. For people looking to check out the website, check out the app, is it available on all platforms of the app is currently available on itunes okay perfect so um weeknight society and you can just look it up and it pops right up to the top mm-hmm. and then on weeknightsociety.com you can find more of the recipes so if you have an android the recipes are available on the website and then alexandrahedin.com has regularly updated parties lots of cocktails and dinner Yum. recipes 
Oh, that's perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here today and talking about your amazing website. And it's all started from a baseball game, a late night at a baseball game. Who knew? It's pretty impressive. (laughs) Coming up on Cast Club Radio, our friend Distiller Dane joins us for another of his top five, everything you should be eating, drinking, and experiencing right now. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio right now. One of our favorite people is on the line. What's up, Dane? Not too much. How's everyone doing? We're doing good. Distiller Dane, he's got another top five for us. What's on your list this time of year? All right. Number one on the list, Super Bowl just happened. But I got to give a shout out to Team Fluff on the Puppy Bowl for taking the win from 52 to 47. (laughs) I uh, wasn't watching. What is that about? Well, we had the Super Bowl on the main TV, but then there's another smaller one in the corner playing uh, the Puppy Bowl, and it is a puppy Puppy. match, football match, basically with toys. Uh, This year, the MVP was Bear, which is a nice white and black little terrier who (laughs) who tore it up during the game and uh, took home the Lombarki Trophy. Lombarki Trophy. I like it. Just such a genius idea. Yeah. Tails wagon. <laughs> All right, number four. Uh, number four. I've been getting into some more winter hikes, and there's a nice beginner one out there to Franklin Falls. Kind of a really beautiful area, but the snow's not bad enough on the road, so you can pull straight up in your car. And then the rest of the hike on the trailhead, it's only about two miles. Super scenic uh, background, snow everywhere, and it leads to a nice waterfall. But it's a really nice, easy hike, and I'd recommend it. So where do you go to uh, find the trailhead? How do you drive there? The exit right before Snoqualmie Pass, and it's right off the side of the road, only about a half a mile down, and there's a big sign there. Is that the post on Instagram of you making the blueberry gin with the lemon wheel in front of the falls? There might have been some gin and tonics going down. Okay. <laughs> All right. That looked pretty amazing. So you're hiking <laughs> the calories. You've earned it by the time you get there. It's perfect. Yeah. All right. Okay. Number three. Number three, I am a huge bagel fan and I try them everywhere. And some of the best that I've had on this side of the country is from Washington and it's called Blazing Bagels. Yes. Blazing Bagels used to have a place in the the First Avenue side of Safeco Field. And they closed yes, that and they have here. one right down the street from there. They have their main bakery in Redmond, which you can walk in and see all the action happening. They coin themselves as the best bagels east of New York. East and of New York. the best one to get is a cheddar everything, which they call a Chevy, and you get it with chive cream cheese, and it's amazing. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Now, when I go back to the University of Idaho for whatever alumni stuff or whatever, Moscow, Dane always requests that I bring something back from Moscow Bagels. <laughs> bagel fan through oh, and through. Yeah. Their sandwiches, their sandwiches for a bagel sandwich, they have the best. In Moscow, Idaho. Yep. All right, number two on your list of the top five. Number two, uh, it's a new place I went to in Fremont over there in Seattle. Um, it's actually called The Masonry. I don't know if you guys have been there before. No. Yeah, my brother works there. I've been to the one in Queen Anne. Yeah, and they have a second shop in Queen Anne as well. I haven't visited that one yet, but I mean, they have uh, really good pizza there. I recently just had one and it had lamb sausage on it with pickled onion and it was to die for. Nice. They also have a, a really nice bottled beer selection of a bunch of import um, beers to get from all over the world, which are some of them are kind of hard to get, and overall really great selection. They have really good meatballs there too. In Fremont. Homemade. All right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Number one on your list this week. Number one, I'm giving another shout out to Flatstick Pub. Uh, I know you guys have talked about them on the show, but a great place overall. I've been to both locations, but they recently just did a 0.5K run, and we've all been <laughs> talking about our New Year's resolutions. One of mine was to get more involved with uh, some running. So we signed up for the 0.5K run. <laughs> 
which is 0.5K. It's about <laughs> two city blocks. Just in case you get a little tired, they have a water station halfway through so you can pull over and get a drink. And then at the end of it, you get a, a pint from them, some breakfast tacos, a shirt, and then they kind of do fun little interactive games throughout the rest of the day. 0.5K. So do they have one of those uh, stickers you can put in your back car that just says 05 <laughs> I don't think I saw any of those around, but they should definitely get some. Maybe made. next year, yeah. All right. The 0.5K run. I would still want to walk that. I wouldn't run that. That leads into my next question, Dane. We were talking about the Olympics since they're fully going on and how athletic we all are. But uh, if you had to be an Olympian and you were going to do one of the winter sports, what do you think you'd choose? All right. My most favorite would have to be to partake in the biathlon. <laughs> yeah. Which which would you be Except better at? I'm not a really good shooter, so oh. I think I would actually do better as a luger. Luger. What about the skeleton? Skeleton. Yeah, the single man downhill luging course. Yeah. I would. That'd be a lot of fun. All right. Excellent. Perfect. All right, Dane. Well, thanks for the top five this week. Back to work. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Well, that's a good segue into our Olympics-inspired cocktails. That this we put is so together. cool. Yeah. So, uh, Aaron, I got to give a little shout out to Aaron at, at uh, Heritage Still in at our shop. She put together this beautiful photo of the five rings, the Olympic rings, in the appropriate color uh, with five different cocktails. And it just looks really beautiful and inspiring. And it makes you want to maybe go home and make a good cocktail to sit and watch while you cheer on your favorite team in the Olympics. <laughs> Absolutely. So out of all these, the one I was most interested in is the Nordic Ski. It's what she calls a Nordic Ski. Mm-hmm. One ounce of uh, blueberry vodka, one basil leaf, a half ounce of lemon juice. Fresh lemon is the best way to do that. And the uh, top with tonic. Pretty easy to make. All that goes in the glass with some ice and you garnish it with fresh blueberries. But if you go to our webpage, heritagedistilling.com or go to Castle Radio, you're going to see this photo of these five Olympic-themed cocktails in the shape of the ring. And the five cocktails are the Nordic Ski, the Slap Shot, the Skater. The Gold Medal. The Gold Medal. And? The Nigerian Bobsled Team. The Nigerian Bobsled Team. Yeah, which I thought was kind of clever too. They are. And they even, the display-wise, like the rims even match. Like, I am so impressed. Aaron? High shout five. Out, shout out to Aaron. Good shout job, Aaron. Shout out to Aaron. All right. So you could make all of these. You could make one of these, whichever catches your eye. Yeah, you could make them in uh, small, like, uh, shot size glasses with Ooh. the color appropriate color theme and then put those on a tray so when you give them to your guest, your guest gets each of the five small sample cocktail servings and uh, kind of have fun with it. And then you can vote for your, your favorite one and, you know, make your own little competition at home out of it. And if you do that, make sure to send us a picture because we'd love pictures. to see it too. Yes, right. yes. Uh, and if you want to see this picture or any of the other mini gorgeous things that they've got on Heritage's website, all you have to do is go to www.heritage.com. It's pretty easy, right? That's right. And if you want to send us those photos or email suggestions, we would love to hear from you because this is we're in this together. This is a group project. We want to hear from you. If you're making any of these cocktails, if you've got feedback, uh, you can email castclubradio at heritagedistilling.com. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Yeah, if you like the podcast, it's really easy. Just go on and rate us. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, and if you've missed any episodes, you can always download them at heritagedistilling.com. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling, part of Cairo Weekends on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling on Cairo Radio 97.3 FM.